Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... I actually met my wife on CatholicSingles.com, if you can believe that. Really? And about Yes, I had never done that before. Didn't have any problems with dating. Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.com. Dot app slash breadbox. Welcome to Holy Smokes Catholic Review, your weekly dose of good cigars and the good news. This podcast is brought to you by St. John Vianney Catholic Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Incensing the temple today, Father Scott Mansfield, pastor and former rock radio DJ, Tony Willemitis, the guy who knows everything. And Will Tapia, the guy who thinks he knows everything. Now, here's your host, Father Scott. Thank you, Scotty Chapin. It is Holy Smokes Catholic Review. Father Scott along with William Tapia. Holy Smokes, it's Catholic Will Tapia. Review, <laughs> yes it is. And Tony is still on retreat or some, I don't know what he's doing. We don't know. Nobody knows. Tony doesn't even know. T- Tony said what he's, he's back. Doing. Just saying, Tony said he's back, but he was unavailable this week to do the podcast. But you know, be, Tony's absence leaves us to fulfill a promise that we made last week on the podcast. That Father Scott, you and I are going to try and get more guests on the show. So, as a matter of fact, today we have. Uh, it's a brand new deacon Jordan Sanchez. Yeah, so yo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's been a deacon for a month, transitional deacon now for a month and a half. And uh, he was uh, ordained, I believe, at uh, St. Thomas. Yeah, St. Thomas on May 26th, the Feast St. Philip Neri. Yeah. And and, right. um, and you know you look just like Tom Cruise. Did you know this? Have uh, you heard that before? Not only did I know that, but for the longest time, well, maybe still till to the today, you don't even know my real name because <laughs> all I hear is, "Oh, hey, Tom." <laughs> hey, Tom. Yeah, Tom Cruise. For the first, I don't know if you remember this because we all know how your memory can be sometimes. But <laughs> but for the first year, who are you? For the first year what? that you knew this guy, yeah. you, just, you simply just called him Tom Cruise. You literally did not know his his actual birth name. Uh, <laughs> you just called him. Tom I'm pretty Cruise. positive of that. <laughs> I hey, distinctly Tom, remember that. Tom so, Cruise. Okay, we got Tom Cruise on the so program. So he does bear tonight. a striking resemblance. Yeah, um, he does. Okay, so hey, uh, so tell us about that big day. You know, you got ordained. Uh, did you have any, you know, when I was ordained a deacon, I had a mystical experience. I did. So have you, uh, you know, have you come down off your cloud yet? No, I'd say I'm still on, in honeymoon mode, but uh, I did receive some awesome advice from a couple of our priests, from Father Simon Carrion and Father Christopher Burnaby. Mm-hmm. They gave me the beautiful advice of really take advantage of the graces of that day, especially the moment when I'm laying down prostrate in front of the altar mm-hmm. while the whole church is praying the litany of the saints for me that I be a good holy deacon. And uh, they gave me the beautiful advice to really pray for big things during that moment. And, uh, and, and uh, yeah, so I did. Uh, they recommended putting a little piece of paper of all my intentions, things that I wanted to pray for, big things mm-hmm. in my shirt pocket so that when I was laying down on the floor, I could remember all those things I was carrying on my heart in that moment. And just, you really use this moment of intense grace to offer all that stuff up to God. So, uh, and then my other favorite part of the ordination was uh, placing my hands in the hands of the Archbishop. Uh, 
don't know if you ever thought about this, why as Catholics we, we fold our hands in front of us when we pray. Uh, it's symbolic of placing our hands in God's hands, like completely surrendering our, our lives to Him. Yeah. And that, that moment when I got to do that for the archbishops and Him standing in place for God, giving my whole life to Him, uh, was just really powerful for me. That's yeah. awesome. That's beautiful. See, when I was stretched out on the floor, all I remember is, uh, hey, this smells like pine saw. I can smell <laughs> pine saw because we were flat on the ground. No, I'm only kidding. But I, I, I did. No, I not. had a, I know, I'm just kidding. I had a mystical experience when I was ordained a deacon. Uh, and I thought, wow, if this is diaconate, then must, you know, the priesthood thing. Well, I really didn't have one, you know, for the priesthood. But, yeah, I just had uh, an experience of when, when she and uh, the archbishop laid his hands on, on my head. You know, the the bolt of Man. numbing electricity right through my body. Wow. Up one side and down the other and boom. It was amazing. Mm. Wow. It was it was really cool. It was really cool. Okay, so uh, what have you been doing in the past, you know, month and a half? Are you helping yeah. at a parish? I know because of the, you know, this thing that we were sick of talking about. Yeah. The virus. Are, are you, you know, are you able to still do stuff? Oh, totally. Yeah. So I've been assigned to San Jose Parish in Albuquerque this year, which is uh, over on Gibson and Broadway. And there are 4,000 families in the parish and probably 95% of them, 90% of them are of, of Mexican descent or, or, mm-hmm. or of origin like immigrants. And so in a really real way, it's been like a little immersion in Spanish for me this summer. Uh, thanks be to God, I've had an opportunity to really delve into Spanish. Uh, I mean, my last name is Sanchez, and I, I was ashamed to not know Spanish. And so I've really worked hard at it in my seminary studies and was super blessed to have an immersion. So, yeah, uh, we've been having four masses on Sundays, uh, one in the evening on Saturday, daily mass, uh, RCIA has been going and I've been so blessed to be a part of that and cool. I had the great blessing of getting to baptize two of the women who are in RCIA yeah. awesome. as well as a few other children of the parish uh, and uh, yeah this past Saturday we had our first communion so yeah deacon life has been awesome they've been keeping me busy and it's been really awesome to put in use the Spanish that I've been learning yeah Praise there's God, such a man. beautiful community there you know Praise that God. most of the Spanish people here in this state don't speak Spanish yeah most don't yeah most That's don't. right. That's right. Que vergüenza. Yeah. What? Es triste, verdad? I was going to say, though, um, so it's it's good to mention that you are a transitional deacon. For sure. So could you explain to some of our listeners who might not know what a transitional deacon is and how that's different maybe than, than uh, you know, Deacon Jerry or Deacon Leroy that we have here at St. John Vianney? Totally. Yeah. So your average deacon that you're going to see in the parish is typically an older gentleman with a wife and some kids. And he was trained and ordained specifically to be a deacon for the rest of his life. But something that's not very well known is that every single priest must spend usually about a year before he's ordained a priest as a deacon. And so the last year of seminary, which for me will be my ninth year of seminary, will be spent as a deacon. So during the summer, we help out in the parish as a deacon back in the Archdiocese of Santa Fe. But then when we go back to the seminary on the weekends, we're helping out at one of the local parishes and my seminary's near Portland, Oregon. So I'll be at one of the parishes there. And so, yeah, so the deacon that is going to be a priest is called a transitional deacon, whereas your typical deacon that you find in the parish is called a permanent deacon. He's the deacon who will just stay a deacon for the rest of his life and usually is married and has children. Mm -hmm. And so then now... Unless, of course, unless, of course, you know, if... Because this sometimes happens where a permanent deacon, his wife will later die, and then he will finish out his studies and get ordained a priest. Yeah, totally. It happens. happens. Uh, Not incredibly common, but yeah, that's a beautiful wonderful thing yeah now now by the way before you yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you you chime in uh <laughs> when you get ordained a priest remember when when the bishop pours the oils on your hands oh yeah you know you wipe the oil off with the the uh, cloth yeah and you save it when your mom dies you you put the cloth in into the coffin mm-hmm. or oh the yeah remains with your mother when she's buried many nah. years from now yeah my mom was a bit hesitant to fully support me entering the seminary but when father de palma told her that she just broke down crying. She's like, okay, wow. <laughs> it's okay. I'll let him go. Oh, praise God. What a, what a cool story. And uh, so now as a transitional deacon, different from when you were a seminarian, just a seminarian who's a lay person like anybody else listening to this podcast, right? 
So, um, so the, the difference now is, is so you were ordained by the bishop. The bishop yep. laid his hands on your head. Yep. He, he ordained you for ministry. You can do things at mass now. Like yeah, I'm officially a cleric. And so now at mass, uh, you can see me proclaiming the gospel, which a, a deacon, a priest, and a bishop are proclaim, uh, ordained to do, as well as I can preach now. So Father Lalo over at San Jose, he's been giving me plenty of opportunities to preach usually about two times a weekend and maybe once or twice during the week. So I've been getting a lot of experience preaching in both English and Spanish. I can now baptize, I can do funeral funerals, and I can do weddings now. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Weddings are fun now. Oh, I'm excited. Love, Hopefully uh, before the end of the summer, I'll get one in. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love what, I, I just love celebrating weddings. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just so joyful. Mm, totally. You know? How beautiful. Yeah. And so, do you know at this point, uh, and maybe, I don't know if it's giving away too much, but just going back into the school year, of course, we have to talk just for just two seconds. We're not going to dwell on it, people, I promise, but just about the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. I know the big thing now is whether or not schools are going to reopen, and how's that looking for seminary and where you're at and where you go? That'd be a good thing to mention as well. Yeah, so uh, the church is notorious for moving slowly, uh, (laughs) and... Likewise, my seminary tends to be among the last to make a decision about school. So this past semester, we found out fairly late compared to other schools what was going to happen. And we were... Which which is where, by the way? Oh, yeah. So I go to Mount Angel Seminary, which is an hour south of Portland, Oregon. And then, but you didn't start there. No. My first four years were in Dallas, Texas oh, at cool. Holy Trinity Seminary. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so as of yet... They haven't told us anything about the school year being any different. I imagine what we'll do is we'll go back, resume classes as normal with extra safety precautions in place. And then maybe if things get worse, uh, we'll switch to online. At that point, what the seminary will probably do is give us the option to either stay at the seminary and continue out our classes online there or to return home and finish them back home. I personally stayed at the seminary this last semester, and it turned out to be an incredibly fruitful time. My, all my classmates stayed, and we were able to really have that fraternity and that still that prayer life together of going to Mass and praying the Liturgy of the Hours. And also a cool thing is we got to go camping out on the, the seminary's grounds out in the forest, so that was really cool. So, Which is amazing, by the way. The, totally. the seminary has how many acres were you saying? Oh, I don't know. It, it's like a, its own little mini mountain. I mean, the pictures that I've seen are just like these amazing landscapes with like little creeks and stuff like that. It's beautiful. Just, just totally, totally awesome. Well, they have those big sequoia trees there too. Those giant trees. Yeah. We've got these giant trees on the grounds, these giants, I think they're sequoias. And also, uh, the seminary is surrounded by a forest and beautiful grassland. And then outside of that, we're surrounded by a bunch of farms so we've got hops growing for beer the monks have their own brewery where they make their own beer we also have tons of vineyards and uh different uh, hazelnut trees so it's a really beautiful place i just got to say to back up the beer thing (coughs) so he brought me back uh he brought me back was it the the dark yeah dark dark ale the dark ale it's called black habit it's it's very good well you know it was very german very yes. German. Very totally. German. Yeah, so uh, they're trying to stick to the traditional monastic style of brewing mm-hmm. beer, which tends to be more German or Belgian in style. Now, the cool thing about that spot or in Oregon, okay, so on a clear day, which, you know, is not often. No. You know, but on a clear day, you can see Mount Shasta. You can see what's left of Mount St. Helens. You can see Mount Hood, right? Totally. Yeah. Rainier, I think even Rainier. I'm, yeah, we can see Mount St. Helens, Mount Rainier, Mount Hood. Wow. Um, Those are in Washington State, aren't they? Yeah, we can see mountains in Washington State. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's such an amazing. Well, these are these big glaciers, you know. Did you visit? You visited, right? Because you Uh, were there. I've been there. I've been there a dozen dozen times or so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there when I was vocation director, Uh, and then I've been there just uh, for fun. Nice. Nice. And I drove with some friends up and down the coast, you know, and uh, it's a great. It's beautiful. It is really, it is beautiful. You know what? It reminds me, though, of Connecticut. Connecticut mm-hmm. and and Oregon are, are very similar in the vegetation, with the exception of the trees. They don't have those. Mm-hmm. But the people trees. are very different, I bet. Um, well, uh, no, they're, I think, uh, both very liberal sort of yeah. people, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Oregon's a very liberal state. Connecticut, I think, pretty much, too. 
Yeah, you know. but Oregon kind of has the West Coast vibe of being laid back and Snobbish. not in the rush to do anything. Snobbish, Snobbish about their beer and their coffee, yeah. which I tend well, to appreciate. Yeah, Connecticut yeah, yeah. people are kind of snobbish, <laughs> you know, about their mystic pizza. About their what? <laughs> their mystic pizza. Mystic pizza? I'm just making that up. Oh. Have you ever seen a movie about mystic? It's uh-uh. from Mystic, Connecticut. No. Oh, brother. But of course, right. But you went to seminary in Connecticut. You know so what's weird about Connecticut? Insight. Some of the some of the most redneck people <laughs> I, I've ever met <laughs> were in. It's true. I hope we don't. You God don't forbid expect, we have any listeners who know anybody from Connecticut. <laughs> what? You, you'd expect <laughs> that here. If we get through one podcast, a lot of you expect, a demographic of people, that'd be great. <laughs> no, but you expect like, you know, truck driving, uh, you know, guys with guns in the back, you know, in the rack and the stuff. And these guys, you, you would, you expect that out here, right? You know, like tough. I guess. I mean, sort of <laughs> truck driving, you know. Right. So the Texas of Cowboy kind of types, right? All right. I said rednecks. So what? <laughs> you know? Okay. You go to Connecticut, tons of such persons. Well, it just sounds to me like you're saying there's more diversity around the U.S. <laughs> that you're breaking down stereotypes. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. So, but hey, I, what I did want to mention, though, is speaking about the West Coast and just some of the stuff that's going on out there, um, some really sad stuff. And I think this goes for both the West Coast and also some stuff in the East Coast. Um, about some Catholic churches that have been vandalized. Um, I saw, and I think, oh, I forget where this was on the East Coast, but there was a uh, nearly 100-year-old statue of the Virgin Mary outside of this Irish church on the East Coast that was vandalized and burned. Um, and then just this really horrible news uh, from several days ago about the uh, Mission San Gabriel um, in in Los Angeles um, that was uh, very, very, very unfortunately uh, destroyed by fire. Um, and, of course, that mission was founded by St. Junipero Serra. And then another church, um, a guy drove his truck into and set fire in to Florida. it. Florida, and... yep. He drove his truck into the front of it during Mass, by the way. Yeah. During Mass, drove his truck into the front of it yeah. and uh, lit, the whole, lit the whole front foyer on fire. Thank God nobody was injured in that attack. Um, but you know the thing about this isn't anything new, the right. destruction of, you know, the kind of class and all that, right? So, but uh, it's new for our time, I suppose, you know, and... Um, you know, somebody made a point on TV just today about, uh, you know, the people that are doing this, they're, they're, they're after figures of authority. OK, look, they're trying to tear down our police, then the statues of, of, of prominent people, you know, authority. And then they go after the church. And ultimately, because uh, who, who they hate authority, who's the highest authority? It's yeah. God. So, you know, then they're going to come after the church and and and. It's just because they hate God. And, and why do they hate God? Uh, you know, for for what? Why? Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's you, my question. You make a great point, though, too, Father, is that uh, so these things that we're seeing, you know, like you said, it's not this is not anything new. Right. Um, it's sad that we're living through it. It's sad that we have to rehash this in our lifetime. But things like the destruction of statues, the burning of churches, right? Even the killing of Christians, the church looks back and says, okay, I remember when that was, when that happened, right? And I mean, f- for us here in the Southwest, we only have to look to uh, to the Mexican government and what was it, the, the late 1800s, early 1900s during the Cristero Revolution, right? Where you had you had priests uh, being shot outside the front of their churches, you know. Um, I was just reading this other article today. As a matter of fact, Pope Pius the Ninth. Um, so uh, when his uh, late 1800s, um, there was this big protest during this whole time. Right, you have the French Revolution going on and overthrow the kings. It was after he died. They're with his funeral procession, taking his body to go bury it. And this group of protesters stopped the procession in Rome and tried to throw the Pope's body in the Tiber River, right? So this is like a hundred years ago, roundabout, a little bit more than a hundred wow. years ago. So, so again, it's sad. It's sad, and we we hear this kind of um, common theme of history repeating itself and all this kind of stuff. Sure, that's great, whatever. But but the fact of the matter is, you know, this stuff has happened. It is happening, and it will happen. That's I think right. it's naive of us and of me to think that, okay, that those things are over and those are antiquated uh, prejudices. It is a prejudice against the Catholic Church, right? And so this stuff just, it just happens and it will right. happen. Well, but you know what? When you go to, okay, when, when you read, and I've brought this up a thousand times during, uh, you know, homilies. Okay, in the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis, there is the, the words of the Lord to the, to the serpent and saying, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. Okay, and then you will snap at his heel, but he will crush your head. Okay, 
The one who crushes the head of the serpent is Jesus. So then we see that war played out when we go to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, when John had its vision of the woman <coughs> closed in the sun and uh, with the moon under her feet. And then, you know, suddenly this evil thing, you know, the Leviathan, the ancient serpent that is identified with the serpent in the first book of the Bible. And um, so he, he goes after her, this Leviathan or the serpent, goes after the woman clothed with the sun, but she's given safe haven. And then we are told that it, the, the ancient serpent, the devil, goes out to wage war against the rest of her offspring. That's us. Yeah. Okay, so it, you're right. It's, it's been happening, it's happening, and it will happen. Okay, yes. until the day the Lord returns, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah so, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's um, but, you know, the, with the statue thing, I think this, well, it's happened, but it's like in, in to this degree that it's happened right. in the past couple of days, that's kind of new for our, our generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I would totally agree with that. And I, I just can't help but think of the deep irony as well um, of as this is happening in the U.S., right? We have the destruction of statues, the burning of churches, um, all this horrible, horrible stuff. And then you have in Paris, uh, they officially announced, I think the, almost the same day uh, when Mission San Gabriel burned down, uh, that the, the government of France announced that they're rebuilding Notre Dame. And then the famous spire, that burned in a fire exactly to how it was right so it's this interesting and i don't know maybe there's something there maybe I'm making too much of that association but i think that it's just so interesting the response kind of around the world um to these kinds of to these kinds of issues and problems right um i was trying to pull up the uh the words of uh, archbishop jose gomez uh of the archdiocese of los angeles had some really beautiful things about to say about say Juni pero Serra, but they're not um immediately available to me yeah well and then uh the other thing too is uh the Hagia Sophia is gonna yeah. be turned into a mosque and yeah that's right stuff but by the way when when that fire when that fire broke out at Notre Dame um I I, I I took it when it happened something popped in my head this is like an omen of things to come mm -hmm. okay so maybe their real building it is also an omen of things to come yeah you know maybe yeah. and they're gonna build it the way it was yeah yeah, I know. There's there's so much tie-ins there. I mean, so much what tie-ins? Um, because yeah, like you said, right? <laughs> is 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 the Hagia Sophia? Um, just a little quick background on that. Um, is a church I believe was built in the eighth century by the uh, Byzantine Emperor Justinian, the Christian Emperor of Constantinople. It existed as a Christian um, church. One of it's, it was basically the Vatican for the Byzantines. So if you can yep. take for a second, imagining. You know, St. Peter's Basilica, the Vatican, it was the headquarters, this big, important architectural, historical, cultural, and religious center. Um, and then it, in the uh, 1500s, so it was after, um, or no, I'm sorry, it was earlier than that, wasn't it? Um, I think it was 15th century roundabout. Um, the, uh, the Ottoman Turks um, conquered uh, Constantinople, renamed it Istanbul, and then um, seized the Hagia Sophia, and at that point turned it into a mosque. Um, so they painted over the beautiful murals and things like that that the emperor um, had inside of there. They destroyed all the Christian iconography that was able to be destroyed, um, and then built uh, Islamic minarets around the structure. So it lived like that for several hundred years, um, and then in the 1930s, at the fall of the Ottoman Empire, um, they, it became a museum. So they uncovered a lot of the wonderful frescoes and murals and and uh, kind of restored a lot of this so you could visit it, right? So so the Christians who had their history there could visit it um, and pray there. Obviously, they couldn't celebrate a liturgy there because it was a museum. I heard they that uh, some Orthodox priests get kicked out every year because they try to say the liturgy inside the basilica. I, I have heard the same. <laughs> I have heard the same. But, but nonetheless, mm. <laughs> um, nonetheless, you know, um, it existed kind of in this um, this this dual space, um, you know, as a museum. Uh, and then uh, it seems like the uh, and it doesn't seem like it actually happened, but you know, the uh, the government of Turkey uh, declared that it'll become a mosque again. So we'll see whether that means covering up the Christian mosaics, these things that have really been a part of the church and our identity as Christians for 1,300 years. Um, so it's it, you know, the Pope expressed his sadness about the event as well. It's just uh, it's just in terms of a um, human 
thing, it's 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 kind of a tough pill to swallow. Oh, it'll go back to being Catholic one day. Oh yeah, one day. I've seen enough bumper stickers. It'll happen. Yeah. What? Did you get that? Yeah, Retake I got it. Constantinople. Yeah. See bumper stickers that people driving around with that bumper sticker. Is this real? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not seeing this. I have not seen it. <laughs> okay, so uh, we want to roll along uh, because we got to get to the gospel here in a little bit. We do. So it is cigar review time, folks. You like to smoke cigars. You wish your girlfriend would. Okay, so I'm going to begin. Okay, so by the way, Jordan, do you smoke Deacon Jordan Sanchez? Do you smoke cigars? I do not, but I respect them and I enjoy being around them. Hmm. Well, that'll change. I told him the same thing last so, week. Yeah, well, no, here's how it's going to change. Either he will learn to disrespect or he will start smoking. And I think he just needs to hang out with his pastor, Monsignor Ron, for a little bit. and He'll start smoking cigars. Is that your pastor? Is he your pastor? He is my pastor, yeah. I don't remember you ever going to Mass there. Well, yeah. But you don't remember a lot of things. We've already established that, though, so... <laughs> I didn't grow up there, but I registered there after I graduated from high school. Oh, I see. Okay, so uh, now listen. I smoked the uh, Rocky Patel Decade 10th Anniversary. And it's a box-pressed cigar. It's dark skin, okay? It's a Maduro, about six inches long. And um, the bomb. It is a great cigar, great burn, great taste. You're making okay. a face that would not indicate it was no. a bomb. No, You're giving I'm, like a stinky I'm, face. But. No, I'm not making a stinky face. It's because I'm looking at you. <laughs> it would look when I look else. at you, I make a stinky face. <laughs> look somewhere else. Go look at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, uh, if you want a great cigar, and it's a little pricey, okay? I paid uh, for, I think, like 11 bucks at yeah. Total Wine. Okay, so it's a great cigar. Okay, so then... What, uh, was it a Maduro? What was it? Yeah, Maduro. Okay. All right, so so then, you know, because I went, I, I, I complained about this last week. I went to uh, Total Wine, which I went to again today, uh-huh. and they still haven't restocked. Of the 7,000? No, anything. Oh, wow. So um, I said to the person, I said, what's with the, you know, well, waiting for the shipment to come in. I don't know, some, some, and you know, the, when she's wearing the mask and can't hear or understand her. Anyway, so this was when I, before, and I, because uh-huh. they had a low selection. So I picked up the Romeo E. Julieta, uh, the 1875, which I've smoked before. I believe I've reviewed. Yep. Okay. It's a light cigar. It fell apart. It, it half, not even halfway through it. I got that metallic uh, taste in my mouth really? that bleh, that soury taste uh-huh. it just blew up it was the filler was coming out horrible horrible so wow. I, I i put it out halfway through and i picked up yet another uh, rocky patel decade 10th anniversary okay is the only way i could get that that taste out of my mouth and enjoy my experience and then yesterday playing golf i smoked the uh, flor de las and T.S., which I, it's by uh, my father's, okay, and I've, I've reviewed this one before, and it's a light cigar, it's a very good uh, cigar, it's a, if you like something very mild that won't, uh, you know, um, it doesn't bite so much, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little cigar. Okay, but it's still not uh, as good as my Padron 7000s, but uh, there you go, okay. I don't think you found anything quite as good as your Padron 7000s. No, no, sir. Um, so, uh, I need to order more new cigars to review on the podcast but i will say i smoked the last of my gurkha evils several days ago and and it was so sad to finish that thing uh they are good if you can ever you know again we've talked about before you know you can find them online for a reasonable price Uh, i think didn't we say havana house sells them too uh Mm -hmm. in albuquerque Mm -hmm. so there's some shops who, who carry in albuquerque and things like that so if you find this cigar anywhere i promise you you will not be let down it was such an enjoyable smoke mm-hmm. um it was it was not the robusto it was a longer um it wasn't quite the churchill so i can't remember what it what the size was but uh it was phenomenal absolutely phenomenal stick enjoyed it was one of those again and i've described this before on the podcast but one of those cigars you just burn down until it's burning your fingers but you, you never want you, it to end you smoke all your cigars like that no not all of them yeah, no way time, no yeah. way usually only if they're exceptional because a lot of times right when you get down to where you're really kind of nubbing it or roaching it as some people would say you <laughs> you get a lot of like that our listeners would not know what you're talking <laughs> about <laughs> but you get a lot of the a lot of the tar that backs up into where where your mouth holds it um you get a lot of the tar a lot of the moisture um basically those kind of leaves uh uh, you know where you're where you're puffing on the stick, 
uh, kind of filter out those sorts of things for you. And so when you burn it down to a certain level, you get all of that sourness that Father Scott's describing, get a lot of that bitterness coming through. But on the, on this Gurkha Evil, I could not find a bitter, sour note. It was it was just like a delicious cup of Colombian coffee. I'm using a metaphor that Deacon Jordan oh, can. Yes. Deacon Jordan's a coffee snob. I want everyone to know that. No, no, no. Deacon coffee Jordan, enthusiast. Coffee enthusiast. My my hypothesis, right? So if, if you think about cigars the same way you think about coffee, it's going to change your life. That's all I'm going to say. Not now, who, do you, are you a Starbucks fan? Heck no. Yeah, either am I. And, and I have a thing. You know, because it tastes like motor oil. <laughs> Which <laughs> you have. Does. Father Scott is, in a, is a motor oil and uh, pipe. What is it? Uh, gas pipe. Aficionado. You know, you, he, doesn't, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's referring to, because now our listeners are going, what are you talking about? When we were kids, okay, and then the muffler in the car. So our thing was to, to get down on and, and breathe in the exhaust coming from the car. To puff it like what? a cigar. Yeah, to, just to see who could take it, all right? We did a lot. We Doesn't would it sit explain? On, it explains we sat, a we lot. Sat on, we sat on black cats to see who could take the most pain. Man, I mean, we did kids crazy were hardcore. Yeah, yeah. We, we weren't soft like this generation. <laughs> hey, um, so um, now where was I? What was we were I? talking about uh, Starbucks. Oh, you're, so you're trash I have a, Starbucks. Okay. No, well, that's okay. <laughs> they don't sponsor. We're not. Do you know what? We're not beholding no, I mean, to them. Yeah. We're not beholding to them. Yeah. You know? Can they okay. sue us? Is that a thing? No. Maybe we should call them like like. Uh, no, it's a podcast. Star star. No, it's a podcast. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So um, the um, so um, oh yeah. So it tastes to me. Now I know people who love Starbucks. Oh, I love Starbucks. To me, it tastes like motor oil. I have a theory because every time you you pass a uh, a, a, a Starbucks, look down the street. You will find a Jiffy Lube. <laughs> hmm. Isn't that interesting? Ooh, interesting. That's compelling there. <laughs> I think that's some evidence that we've established. Yeah. Seems legit. Yeah. But so, but all I'm saying, all I'm saying. What? You treat cigars the same way you treat coffee, you're going to totally fall in love. No, I totally understand, respect that. It's just not for me. Hey, okay. so um, I'm playing golf yesterday and, uh, uh, you know, in, in 106. Yeah. It was 106. Uh, you know the 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 sign out here as the yeah. hundred it said one hundred and six point seven or something almost one hundred and seven. Oh, <laughs> so, so we awful. played at the golf course down the street this way, well south or north of us. Uh-huh. It was it it felt like it was one hundred and six, you know. So anyway, so I'm smoking and I have because I I ate uh, some meatloaf, so now I've got heartburn. So I have to get the tums. And I eat the Tums, and I'm smoking the cigar. And so, you know, the tip of the cigar gets a little wet from the saliva. So when I, I looked at it, I'm like, man, my, my cigar is foaming at the mouth. It's from all the Tums? It's from the Tums. Dude, that is so disgusting. It's oh, all, man. That was a gut-wrenching that, that was, just totally makes me want to smoke a cigar right it was, it was so gross. And then, uh, you know, I was like, well, I, well all right. So I, I kept smoking it. Dude, I don't know how how you and uh, you and uh, Father Marshall golfing together haven't spread the Rona because you told me that story about where you guys uh, are smoking your your sticks and you throw it down to go golf. Oh yeah, and then <laughs> so we we off. know we throw the, we just throw the cigars down and so one time I picked up the cigar my cigar you know I'm smoking we're both smoking so I pick up the cigar and I'm smoking it and then I'm like this is his oh, so I'd be man. oh it's all gross you know at the ends all disgusting and and I'm. Um, you know, yeah. my question so, is, how have you not passed out out on the golf course getting dizzy from that cigar? Well, yeah, I don't know. But yesterday, because of the heat, yeah. you know, we were pounding. I was so just pounding and yeah. pounding water. You know, big mistake is to drink a beer on the golf yeah. course when it's that hot. But I was drinking lots of water and Gatorade as well. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah. it was super, super hot. And then today. OK, so it not only is it 100 plus degrees, then the wind starts blowing. Yeah. And that hot wind, it's like a convection oven, man. It's just blowing in your face. Yep. And, was, uh, uh, yeah, hor- horrifically uh, hot today. Uh, the past few days, wow. And then we're going to get down to, so next week's only going to be in the upper 90s. So. Yep. Oh, so it's, cool. Uh, I know, well, we have a uh, big, huge thunderstorm rolling in, apparently, is what the wind was for. But, I mean, downtown, we had wind gusts of 55 miles yeah. an hour. So I watched all my plants in my little garden. And I, li- I live in a condo with a balcony, so I have like this like little container garden. I watched all my plants uh, that are fruiting for the first time that I've struggled with like, like get tossed around like a couple of bowling 
what is it, bowling pins or whatever. So, you know, I was thinking though about uh, you know even today, I just jump in the car and drive up into the mountains, you know, but. Like even Durango, Colorado's in the upper nineties. Yeah. I mean, you know, we yeah, there's no way. there's no escape from this, you know. Yeah, no escape. So, in case, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's super hot, and that's uh, summertime. That's July in uh, New Mexico, you know. Yep. Uh, now, by the way, I know you don't want to talk about because before we started recording, you said, "Will, please don't. Let's not talk about the coronavirus." No. Nope. Okay, but I, I I have to say this, okay, because now I'm I'm scratching my head because. Uh, one of our parishioners uh, this weekend said my daughter and her friend had gone to get tested and then they took their information and then the wait was three hours. So they decided not to get the test. And so they came home and then they got called. You know, somebody gave them a phone call saying that uh, they were they were positive when, in fact, they didn't take the test. And I'm like, wow. And so then uh, later uh, today, you know, uh, I went, I'd, I'd gone over to uh, a little lunch break over there at the, um, the office, mm-hmm. you know, the little uh, the brew pub over there by the golf course, mm-hmm. you know, because they great, by the way, great, my, um, the nachos are amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I'm talking to this person and said, well, um, my, uh, my, the, my friend and her friend uh, went over to get tested and they, same story. Right. Same story. And I'm like, so is it is her name? And I mentioned the names and stuff They're like, no. So I'm just wondering if this is like I've heard of the same thing from people we know. Yeah. So see, there's something. I, yeah. Where does. So somebody's BSing us. That's mm. what I'm thinking. Right. You know, mm. BS, by the way, is bull stuff. Bull stuff. <laughs> Somebody is bull stuff in us. friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you heard the same thing. Oh, yeah. I've heard it from a couple different people wow. yeah see there's something fishy going on i have not yeah no, well went, is it, went to get tested submitted their information is line it, was too long took off heard they were positive the is, next, it, uh, is it is it days later is it is it uh is it like to to um, see how that's so i'm just i'm just wondering is this is it really happening or is it, it sounds kind of fishy i mean it it, it seems it could be it, yeah. it sounds absurd but we're hearing it from all these different people huh Hmm, I don't know. That's crazy. I don't know. I, I, I just, I think the... It's a little getting, fishy. I think it's, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty suspect. Yeah. All right, well... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so we're not going to talk about uh, the coronavirus. I mean, yeah, it's... Yeah, like, nah, we're all burnt out on that. I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty burnt out about it. I don't know what... Well, what I can we tell can you, you know what... Corona anymore. means crown, uh, which, you know, crown, right? Corona. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what the Greek word is for corona? Stephanie. No. Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie. Yeah. From Stephanos, meaning mm. crown. Oh. Yeah. Fun that, fact of the your, day. Was that yeah. trivia? No. Is that your trivia question? Yeah, I was too lazy to put some trivia together <laughs> today. Usually Father Scott has a trivia for us. Uh, I like that. Which yeah. he uh, decided to not do today, apparently. Yeah. Hey, should we do some uh, gospel? Yeah, I think we should. Okay, let's do the gospel. You got it? You got yeah, it pulled uh, up? I think Deacon Jordan's going to read got it for it. us. Okay. Right? Yeah, the deacon must read the gospel. Let us pray. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood along the shore. And he spoke to them at length in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and he sowed. Some of the seed fell on the ground, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground where it had little soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and it withered for lack of roots. Some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. But some seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit, a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold Whoever has ears ought to hear. The disciples approached him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He said to them in reply, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, 
Even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and hear but do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You shall indeed hear, but not understand. You shall indeed look, but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and be converted, and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Amen, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it, and the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy, but he has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but when worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word, and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. Okay, amen. so, yeah, amen. Okay, so I want to hear right, first of all, I want to hear from the newly ordained deacon. Putting you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. See, normally we have Tony. Tony launch at this point in our podcast, Tony just takes over and we just we go off and drink coffee well, in maybe, the back room. Maybe if you want to give him maybe a couple seconds to collect his thoughts after no, reading. Yeah, that, or uh, I mean I had to preach on it yesterday. Okay. There you go. See, I knew it. Yeah. Knew it. So I mean the first thing that comes to my mind is it well, it struck me as a wake up call for me personally. Uh we we uh, we talk about being fluid nowadays. Different people are fluid, but I think that these different types of ground that the seed lands on, uh, which is our soul, I think our souls can kind of slide back and forth between these different types of of grounds that the seed lands on. And and it it was time for me to to reevaluate my own prayer life and my my faith. And really, am I allowing the word of God to bear fruit in my own life, or am I sliding into mediocrity and not? letting the word really bear fruit in my own life. And I think it's a good thing for, for everyone to think about is, uh, have I slipped into mediocrity? Uh, what can I do to really bear fruit? When I examine my life, is my faith bearing fruit in my life? Or am I not really giving it the nourishment that it needs in order to bear such fruit? Which, by the way, was uh, one of the good things about the early days of the uh, lockdown. Uh, because, you know, uh, you had lots of time to think, to pray in quiet. Totally. See, now it's like, you know, we're still under lockdown somewhat, but uh, we're kind of like tired of that. But in the early days when we really didn't know what was happening, for me anyway, um, you know, there was a lot of prayer going on in silence. And, uh, you know, this is when every there was no cars. People, you know, people were really locked down into their homes. And uh, it was very quiet. So mm-hmm. that quietness just gave, I think, lent uh, or, or provided the opportunity uh, to do a lot of self-reflection, right? So uh, I think, you know, you, you follow me on this, right? So Totally, yeah. You, so you can, you know, you sit there, you know, you, you like to pride yourself on being generous or, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And then the Holy Spirit in those moments will say, well, maybe not so much. And here's mm-hmm. what you need to do. So... I wanted to say one quick thing set in the scene. I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense now, but um, so I, we have some friends who have visited this location in the Holy Land that we're hearing about um, where there's such a large crowd that Jesus gets into a boat 
sits down and the whole crowd kind of gathers along the shore. Again, I think kind of hearing that it sounds odd. <laughs> Why would he do that? Why would he leave the crowd and jump into this, uh, this boat and go into the Sea of Galilee? But what's pretty amazing about this actual location is it forms a natural amphitheater. So the way that the voice interacts across the water um, you know, uh, and goes up into the amphitheater and projects the voice, making sure everybody can hear it. And I think there's also some really beautiful symbolism as well, also kind of deeper, right? Cause what do we hear in, in Genesis as father Scott loves to mention is that the spirit went out across the water. So I think that, that that's kind of a beautiful kind of undertone here with, with our Lord out in the sea of Galilee. And the Hebrew word for spirit there can also be used for breath. So Jesus's breath went out across the waters and into mm-hmm. the ears and hearts of the listeners, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, by the way, on that too. Okay. So last or two, three years or whenever it was. So we went camping up in the Hamas. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, you, the, you climb up those, it's that, that rock is uh, what is it, like sandstone. Yeah. And, um, who's ever up, you know, and then I was down below cause you know, I'm an old man. I'm not climbing up the, so I think it was you, William, or somebody else yeah. was, yeah, it was me or maybe it was it you or Ralph Pesci. Okay. It was yeah. you standing way up on top of the, the, the mountain. Okay. And I'm way down below and William and I are having a conversation. We weren't yelling. We were yeah. talking like this Yeah. and I could hear him and he could hear me. Yep. It's just this so natural, cool. it was just natural amphitheater, right? That, yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, the same thing applies here, you know, um, and what I was going to mention as well is, is what I love about this parable of the, of the sower is that, um, so we hear, right. So some of the seed falls and it gets eaten up. Some, some falls on rocky ground. There's not enough soil. Uh, the soil's not deep enough. So it springs up right away, but then the sun rose, it was scorched, um, for there's no roots. And so we hear all these amazing, um, kind of analogies. What I always find is really profound though as well is that the sower keeps sowing, right? Mm-hmm. So the sower doesn't say, okay, this, this dirt is, it's not going to be receptive to the seed. It's too rocky. It's, there's too much weeds. There's too much thorns. The birds hang out here. The sower never asks or says those things. The sower sows anyway, right? Because the fruit of the labor, the fruit of his harvest is more important, right? And so using that analogy in the spiritual life, right? Is that, is that God can use the slightest crack in our foundation, the slightest crack in, 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 in the dried earth of our lives, of our spirituality, no matter how far gone we think some people are into darkness, into the thistles, into the weeds, mm-hmm. into the birds that are going to eat up. Or, or so we might think, right? The sun that might scorch up their faith immediately. It doesn't matter. God's always going to try and penetrate that rocky heart. Well, you know, you, 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 you're up in the mountains, right? And you see a tree growing out of a rock because there was this opening in the rock. We'll go out into the parking lot here too in, in the cracks. <laughs> yeah. You see tumbleweeds growing out of the cracks. <laughs> uh, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. But I think too that oftentimes um, what, what, to, in order to make soil, you have, in order to make soil like a good soil to, to, so that it produces a crop, you have to, you know, you have to work with the soil, right? Yeah. You have to till it. And so I think maybe, you know, uh, through our sufferings and experiences, you know, uh, it's God's way of, of uh, taking bad soil and turning it into good soil that will be able to produce fruit. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, um, but uh, yeah, I was going somewhere with this and now I just drew a blank because I'm an old man. <laughs> but no, but I think through through suffering so the the Lord will will change. Oh, here was here's what I was going to say is that um you know in this so the 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 word of the Lord is the seed, the seed, right? The word and Jesus is the word. So that's the the seed. God himself is the farmer. We are that soil. Okay, but we there's so many ways to take this. We are the soil. Right. Okay, our souls, that's the soil. Okay? Um, the seed is the word of God, right? Right, to... right, right, right. But um, then the seed must take off. Um, and so in a sense, we are that seed as well. But also then we become the farmer because if we are planted, you know, that that is planted in us, and then we, like coming from seed, begin to produce those fruits. You know, how do we produce fruits? We do so by planting seeds. You follow me? Yeah. Totally. So uh, that's such a beautiful thing. We're, 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 the, we're the soil, but we're also 
uh, the, the, the seed, but we're also the farmer because the Lord calls us to collaborate with him. Definitely. You know, and uh, I just love this. That's one thing I love about the word. Well, there's many things about the word of God, but, um, there's so many twists and, and turns and different angles you can take with it. You yeah. know, that's very Ignatian though. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the thing with St. Ignatius of Loyola where well, yeah. you picture yourself in, in, in one of these roles. And so I think, I think exactly as you said, and, and the way that I think about it, personally right is is god is the sower we're the soil and then the fruit that springs forth from it is is our faith and where that faith can you know and i i can think of so many examples um in my personal life and i'm sure we all can right of some individuals who uh who right away get so caught up and get so zealous with the faith and they just blossom right away, right there. Maybe they're new to the faith. Maybe they don't know a whole lot of stuff. So it's kind of this, this, this real thin soil, you know, might be among rocks, might be among thistles. So they just get so zealous and so on fire. And it's like this big shoot of faith that shoots up right away. And unfortunately that sun comes up the next day right? The sun rises and it's, and it's hot and there's a tribulation and there's a trial in their faith. And I think of most recently the, um, the sex abuse crisis, which you were talking about several months ago in the Catholic church. And you get this really, the, the sun rises and it wants to scorch that crop. It wants to scorch that fruit, right? That fruit. Yeah. Of faith. Well that, that, when that, but that, that was, uh, you know, the, the Lord was comparing that to, or, or was that the, uh, Oh, that's the, the, that's grown on the, uh, the first one is the, the birds come and snatch it up. Right. And right. so that was, the bird was compared or equated with the devil. Right. Right. So there, there are people that are like, you can share. And, uh, by the way, I mentioned this Remember last week and I was having a hard time trying to explain or express what I was thinking, which, you know, sometimes happens, mm-hmm. but, uh, how the Holy spirit will often touch somebody and it's like, they're so hard that they cannot respond to it. You know what I mean? So the Lord, you know, he, he, like these moments, there's these moments in the life of every person and more, more than once, you know, where the Holy Spirit touches the person in an attempt to bring uh, light to that person. But the person is just so shut off. They're so hard. So, you know, that, that first with the bird that comes down and snatches the seed, it's the devil. And, you know, we've all encountered people where you share, you know, you share something, you know, your belief, your faith, your love for the Lord your love for the blessed mother and you are shut off right away. Yep. They don't want to hear it, you know? Yep. Um, then there, okay. So then, then there's that uh, seed that falls on, uh, and the sun comes out, right? Yep. Because of there's two things. Our Lord speaks of anxiety, but also sinful pleasure. Right. And well, here's the deal about being a Catholic or a Christian is it's demanding. Right. Okay. It's demanding. And you know, sin is the easy thing. Following Jesus is the difficult thing, okay? But one leads to happiness and the other one leads to misery. Guess which mm-hmm. one leads to happiness to follow Jesus? The, the other one only can, it, it can only lead to misery at some point, yeah. Yeah. right? And then ultimately the worst misery are the fires of hell. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. if that sin is not repented of mm-hmm. and turned away from, Okay, so, um, you know, so then you've got the person who, and we've all met them. You and I were talking about this the other night, William, when we were, I think, over a cigar or beer or whatever. People, people that, you know, we've known in the past who were, were very solid in their faith. And now you, they've drifted away. Uh, you know, maybe they're, they're living in a situation that is it's not godly, you know, or... Yeah, some yeah. behavior that's not godly and then uh you know they haven't been in confession a long time they haven't stepped in a side of church since uh you know for like two or three years and and i just think that lure of sin is so much that you know and and there's that moment in life where you have to make the decision you know for it withers for lack of roots yeah right there you go yeah and then there's those who uh with the anxieties of life i think you know um you know, some people just, you know, lose faith because they begin to despair or become hopeless, which is a sad thing. Yeah. You know, so uh, and the anxieties of life can, you know, be, you know, just family stuff or financial stuff. Right. So, you know, when we put too much into that, then we lose sight. And then there's that good soil that the Lord wants us to be. Uh, however, I think we need to be very because, you know, I like to think that I'm the good soil, you know, you mm-hmm. guys, but we had to be careful not to be haughty about it. Mm-hmm. 
but instead to thank the Lord for it because totally. he has made me the soil. And keep He's, cultivating it, like yeah, you said, right? Right, right. And yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's such a beautiful thing that not only does the sower scatter the seed, but he also tends his garden. He cares for it. And what a beautiful thing that in baptism, our Lord gave us this fertile soil and planted the seed. And then he gives us the sacraments, especially uh, his body and blood in the Most Holy Eucharist to to keep nourishing and fertilizing and, and adding to that soil throughout our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Because what will happen, right? And ask any gardener who has ever planted anything in their entire life. After we got we got like 30 seconds of rain today as a part of this like little passing thunderstorm that went on. So tomorrow the weeds are going to be everywhere. We're going to have Is weeds that a record in New cropping Mexico? up. I know, right? <laughs> we got uh, we got one one hundredth of an inch. <laughs> wow, that's a record. <laughs> but uh, you know, so I, I mean, just just how that little bit of, of moisture causes all the weeds to come up in everybody's garden and stuff like that. And so I think what both you're saying is totally true that you don't just you're not just, oh, I'm good soil, so I'm done. Boom, I did it. I've got my my beautiful crop and I'm it's over. Absolutely not, right? Tending your garden is an act of love you have to do every single day, right? You got to weed that thing. You got to make sure that the that the plants are growing and it doesn't get too hot, doesn't get too cold, that it has sufficient water, right? Like it's, it's this constant idea of cultivation. Mm-hmm. And what I love about mm-hmm. this story as well. And we, and weed bowling, weed bowling, mm-hmm. which how do we, how do we get rid of our sins? confession there you go all right you know and it sounds like such an overused trope and analogy and metaphor <laughs> but you know that the slow and the steady will win, will win the race right will win the race there we go and and this whole thing right predates the whole rabbit in the hair all this kind of stuff that goes on is that catholics as christians we don't live in the extremes, right? We live in the extreme of the gospel and that is it. We don't live in the extremes. This is what C.S. Lewis talks about as well, is that um, when he's writing in the screw tape letters, it's always this dialogue between screw tape and his, uh, screw tape the demon in, in, in this book um, and and his uh, his underling that he's writing to here, right? Where in the screw tape letters, he talks about always get your subject to live in the extreme. So either it's the extreme pleasures and the riches and the vanity of the world, or it's the other total extreme, right? Where you become like that crop that sprouts up so excitedly, so so ambitiously, so on fire. And just as quickly as it's flared up, it flares down. And as we said, it withers for lack of roots. Is that the 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 fruit that will bear into eternal life is the slow, steady, and consistent cultivation, right? If you fall into sin, if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with these things, right? Father Scott said it, tend your garden, pull those weeds up. We have this incredible grace that's available to us, especially now, even during COVID-19, right? Even though churches might be at capacity, all this kind of stuff going on, confession is still so incredibly easily and readily available for you to tend your garden all around the city too that's how you pull your weeds it's how you get the weeds is a sin right you got to get rid of it right so stay consistent love in the little things right you know and and yeah and then the the final thing that i want to say uh is, is that uh so then we become the farmer right so we have to produce the fruit right and so where does the fruit come from it comes from right the the stock you know right the the plant yep. right so um so then we're we're that we're that plant and so we plant the seeds right which is the word of god so we this is why friends when we encounter people okay uh next door neighbor uh, schoolmates people at work you know we we plant seeds we have to plant the seeds Okay, we do so two ways. Number one, by speaking the truth, defending the truth in a loving way. You know, we beat people in the head with a brick of Catholicism, but sharing our faith, our love for the Lord, our love for Our Lady, our love for the Eucharist, our belief in the Eucharist, Uh right? Uh, and, uh, And not being embarrassed about it or ashamed of it. Come on, we're talking about the Lord here. Are you kidding? Right? Um, but also by our deeds and, you know, uh, um, by our generosity, our goodness, our piety, um, you know, our, our courage and all of these things. But also I'll throw in because uh, you mentioned earlier St. Philip Neri, who taught that uh, the hallmark of the Holy Spirit is joy. Yes. Yep. So, you know, let the world see your joy. Now, it's interesting when I'm watching TV and these people, you know, uh, in the past few weeks 
you know, the ones that are doing the damage to the buildings and setting fires and flipping over police cars. I see when I look at them, the images that I see anyway, I don't see a whole lot of joy. I see a lot of rage. Okay, I see a lot of hate. I don't see a lot of joy. So it's important that we, you know, Catholics, especially because we have everything. Friends, we've got a relationship with Our Lady. We've got the Eucharist. We've got the seven sacraments. You know, we've got the we've got the magisterium. You know, we got it all, man. And if anyone and we have, you know, because of the graces that the Lord gives us, we have uh, this elevator to heaven, you know, and the doors are wide open for us. And if anyone should be joyful, it's us. So, yeah, totally. you know, right. So let the world see it, you know. Yeah. Amen, preacher man. Hey, that's right, preacher man. Okay, that's, uh, man, I'm pretty exhausted now, so. I feel pretty exhausted. What do you, you, can, you feel exhausted? Keep well, going? I do have a 9 o'clock bedtime. You do? Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness. Is that true? <laughs> that was a half hour ago. It's so. fluid. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's only eight, It's 8.38, so. I think. All right. So we're going to wrap this up, man. Hey, thanks for, and, and by the way, anytime you want to be on, you just. Oh yeah, this is yeah. great. Thank Where do you, you. Oh, you live in Albuquerque now. Yeah. So it's a little trick, but you know, it's worth it to spend right. time with good people. Come back next week. Yeah. He, he lives like five minutes away from him or from me, from him, from me. And I, I like how you just kind of got like a little wink and a nod for like your drive out here, but to date, he's never given me one of those. So wow. I, I, I feel envious of you right now. Deacon. Wow. I also want to mention that you're wearing uh, the full-on, like, OG Catholic gear, the cassock, which I must say, it's a little shocking. He's sitting there, like, doing a Marilyn Monroe. It's showing a little bit of leg there. <laughs> you know, I, you I, when I... You breeze in this summer weather. Well, that's true. I, I wear my pants under my cassock, but uh, you don't. Uh, shorts is the way. You got the shorts on? Oh, yeah. And I heard from uh, from someone that... Back in the day, if the people would see the priest wearing his pants underneath his cassock, they'd be like, oh, Father, why are you wearing pants? Uh, For what reason do you have to take off your cassock later today and go out into the town? It used to be a scandalous thing, right? So so, so just so everybody knows, but I don't want to get too ahead of of this story. But so back, so before Vatican II, all this kind of reforms happened and stuff, the, the habit, the thing that the priest always had to wear was uh, was this cassock, which is you know you see your your pastor wearing the the black collar and everything yeah. like that. So is that, but um, you know, kind of like you know the tonsure. That's like why a, the tonsure, right? Yeah. Like a, a so that when you went out in the town, everyone say, "Oh, totally. he's a priest." So totally. and so it's. It, I mean, I hate to make the dress analogy because everybody says that, but it's yeah, all it it's basically like a dress. Like a dress um, that that buttons straight down the front, and so uh, yeah, so that's that's true. That that if that was such the norm of what priests would wear is that if you if they saw like the hem of your pants from underneath your cassock and naturally if, if you were supposed to be wearing that all the time the question would be why are you wearing pants underneath it what are you what do you have to do it almost be like wearing a second pair of pants under your pants like that's how absurd yeah. it would have been yeah. seen right so, oh, look, anyway. father's wearing his golf shoes under his cassock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So uh, we're going to wrap this up. And, uh, hey, you want to join us next week? Uh, yeah, I mean, don't look maybe. at your watch. Why are you looking soft, at your watch? Soft commitment. Okay, soft commitment. We uh, might bring on one of our one of our other good friends. Who? Uh, who is back it? in town. We'll talk off air. I don't want to promise anything. Joe, I don't, Joe Balls. Stop it. No, no, no. Father no, Joe Balls. No, no. I, I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. Will you stop it? He does. He hates us. He hates this podcast. He was over there trashing Father Joe last week, too. Oh, so. my gosh. <laughs> we had him on. We had him on, like, last year, and he trashes our, our podcast on our podcast. So then, as a, as a, to reciprocate, Father Scott trashes him every week. <laughs> but he's a good dude. I mean, he oh, really is. take it. He's yeah. a good dude, though. Yeah. Really, ultimately. He I'm just kidding dude. around, but. Um, and he's got some great parents. Yes, he does. Um, okay, so sjvnm.org is our website. And we're, you know, we're building a church, man, so you can mm-hmm. still donate. We're going to build it, you know, because the, the virus, the, the, uh, this virus is going to disappear. You know, it's going to just, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to fizzle. It reminds me of a bumper sticker my sister just ordered. It says, not today, Satan. There you go. <laughs> we're going to do it. There we're going to do it. <laughs> Hey, man, it's going to be the triumph of Our Lady's heart, and then we're going to build a magnificent... Yeah. Uh, Tell you what, Father. 14-story dome with frescoes. <laughs> Will you make a commitment on this podcast that if we get all, half of the funding by this time next week, you'll change the parish patronage to St. Corona? Uh, no. 
If we get 3.5 million by next oh, yeah. week. No, I, I, I no, uh, um, no. Saint Corona, come on. No. Here on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Father Scott. Saint Corona wasn't. You know, by the way, she's not the uh, she's not the patron saint of pandemics. That's okay. Yeah, saint uh, Edmund. No. Well, okay. So what you're saying is, if okay, if we, we get, raise, if you, if you, okay, if we raise. Three point five. Five million dollars by this time next 3. week. Three point five, not five million. Don't up it. Three point five by next week. Okay, we'll change By this time it. next week. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. Send Saint. out that link to your family and friends. Well, it's the thing. 3. 5 I million. guess it's the thing to do to change the name of everything nowadays. Yeah. St. Corona, know. pray for us. St. Corona. Um, yeah, so uh, like, you know, the Redskins, you hear they're changing their name now. The Redskins are done. They're going to change their name. They're changing their name. I don't know. What's the name going to be? I have no idea. Um, so wow. Eskimo Pie wants to change its name now. Okay, so uh, so there's other things, you know. Oh, the the Columbus, Ohio, they're going to become they're going to be called Flavor Town. Flavor Town. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can reach out to us, holy smokes at sjvnm.org. Please don't send us hate mail. Um, and then, why? 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 <laughs> I'm just I'm just joking. And then you can also. You can also uh, review our podcast on uh, iTunes uh, and then follow us on Instagram at Holy Smokes Catholic. Whenever Tony comes back into the picture, uh, I'd like I'd love to schedule a live podcast, live stream uh, for everybody. So it'd be good. All right. Wrap Bye, everybody. Up. Say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Adios. These are unprecedented times for our world, our nation and our faith. Cities are being burned, the debate rages over our national identity, and a global pandemic has shut down our parishes and deprived the faithful of the sacraments. Times like these can challenge our faith and our hope. Now more than ever, Catholics need to utilize technological advances to strengthen their faith. Endorsed by faithful bishops and cardinals, Breadbox Media is answering this need by providing on-demand podcasting that is faithful to the magisterial teachings of the Catholic Church. Our podcasts let you nurture your faith at any location, at your convenience, and at no cost. We are able to provide this free service because of the generosity of our donors. Would you consider giving a donation today to support this vital ministry? Not only is your donation tax-deductible, but you will be helping to transform hearts, minds, and our culture for Christ. Donations can be made by going to breadboxmedia.com. Thank you, and may God bless you.